Welcome to episode 87 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we tell you the best way to have it all. We also hear from Leanne Colley, owner and lead designer of Leanne Charlene Creative Design Studio and the brand Good, about how her definition of having it all changed as her family and business changed. And we talk about how during big life transitions, we need space to readjust, ask for more, and shuffle around all the things that are on your plate. I'm Amanda Wagner, speaker, business strategist, and professional hype woman. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not? And are ready, instead, to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. We just want to put a light content warning on this episode. Our next guest and I talk about life transitions that includes growing a family. If any of that doesn't feel good for you, that's okay. This might be an episode that you want to skip. We want to make sure that this is a place that you feel enlightened, supported, and empowered. And if for any reason talking about pregnancy and changing family structure doesn't feel good, skip to the next episode. Now on to the episode. I said I was going to tell you the best way to have it all because I think you can. I believe that the best way to have it all is to define what it all looks like for you and find comfort in the fact that what it means to have it all is likely to change more than once during life transitions, during special milestones or things that happen as we age, as we grow. Let's expect that having it all is going to change over time. For our longtime podcast listeners, this is not the first time we've talked about having it all. But given the big life transitions we've experienced, Liz moving to a new province, me having a baby, trying to sustain businesses during a pandemic, our partners getting different jobs, and of course, the fallout of the global pandemic, it makes sense that our versions of having it all have changed. I have invited Leanne from Leanne Charlene Creative and the Branded Good to chat with us about how her version of having it all has changed, including how she's had to consider who she wants to work with, how her time is best spent, and how she grows her team. Leanne, welcome to the podcast. I'd love for you to first tell us a bit about your perspective on the idea of having it all. Hi, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. Um, my idea of having it all um, is, I mean, if you asked me five years ago, it was very much about having a career and family and not making any sacrifices and essentially what everyone kind of sees as just having like the best of both worlds. Um, I think there's also a misconception sometimes on social media or just everywhere that like having it all means being able to do everything and not making sacrifices so that may be what my perspective of it would have been 
if you asked me quite a few years ago, but it is quite different nowadays. I think today it's, uh, it's very different and it just means like being happy essentially in my family life and being happy in my career and still having it grow, but without making, um, I guess without compromising my mental well-being and my physical well-being. Um, and so having it all, I guess, is just something to me, it's just being happy in life. I think you've illustrated such a good point here, which is that having it all doesn't mean having everything. Having it all means being really intentional about which pieces actually matter. Now, you said you've gone through the transition of, I thought having it all five plus years ago meant having everything, having the career and the family without sacrifices. I have had that perspective as well and fought back against people who would say, just you wait for a long time. Did you experience any of the I told you so rhetoric, either actually from people saying it or internally? I did actually. So when I was um, pregnant with my first uh, child, my first son, Remy, I had a lot of people tell me that I wouldn't be able to do it all. Um, I was told like, you can't have the career that you have and work as many hours that you have and still like have a family. And I was really set out to kind of just like prove them wrong. Like, you're wrong. Like, I can totally do this. I, I can like have my kid and still run a business and not take a maternity leave. It definitely did kind of work the first time around. But then the second time around when I had my Ellie, my daughter, she's one, um, it was a lot more challenging to, to prove people wrong. And I think I was still delusional um, and thinking to myself that I could still have that all of it and still do all of that with two kids. It's hard to tell sometimes, Leanne, the, you and I both share the fact that we have one-year-old daughters. And so it can be hard to tell if our desire to have it all is delusional or if it's hopeful. It's like, no, no, I think I've cracked the code. I have this system. So when you had your first child, when you had Remy, what were some of the initial things that you were able to sustain while growing your family by one person and still running your business. Yeah, you're right. Being hopeful is a better word than delusional. Um, I think uh, some of the steps I took to kind of to sustain it was I did hire a part-time graphic designer at the time. She was a contractor, somebody to just like help me do like smaller jobs and assist with the work. I think I knew I needed the help when I was going to start my family. Um, so I started off really small and it did work. Like it did help me to kind of keep the business going without having to take a pause in my career. Um, but then the pandemic happened. So it, Remy was eight months old when the pandemic happened. And so I hired that contract designer to help, um, and it had worked and, um, it really helped to just keep my business going and made me more hopeful that I could continue the business while having a family. It was also kind of like a test for me to see if I could have an employee. So because I had just been a freelancer this whole time before, because it did work out, I did set out to hire a full-time designer right after that. Um, I guess right after the pandemic when things picked up again. So I hired a full-time designer and at that point I was also thinking, I know I'm gonna have more than one kid. So 
perhaps hiring a designer or two would help to sustain the business. I could just step back. The work would kind of get done itself um, and all I'd have to do is manage the business. And that was my thinking was that I could have a family, take a maternity leave, my designers would be fine and the business would still grow and continue on its own. And that's where I kind of say, boy, was I delusional <laughs> thinking that. <laughs> So what percentage of that is true of here's what I thought I could happen. That was 80% the case, or that was 30% the case. Maybe like 20%. Um, so right before Ellie, I, I hired my second designer and it was, okay, I'm going to have two designers. They're going to take on the workload Everyone knew like publicly on social media and out there, like they knew that I had a team um, and I was like, okay, I'm set. I planned everything. I planned backup projects. I planned work for when I would go into labor, when I would take the time off, when I would like maybe return to work. Um, I, I think I took maybe two weeks off before I came back and did some calls um, and met with my team virtually. And then I... The, everything kind of like snowballed from there. I uh, I had Ellie, I took my two weeks off, and then I quickly realized that the amount of work that was coming in was, it was just too much. I had two designers, but that also meant I had two designers whose work I had to review. It meant I had a lot more management duties, like I had to meet with clients still, and I was meeting with double the amount of clients. I still had to double the do all of my invoices and my quotes and so with Ellie it didn't really turn out how I planned it to I ended up working most of my maternity leave I was spending a lot of time during her naps working and taking calls sometimes I would bring Ellie to client meetings um, well bring her in my living room and I'd have calls with clients or sometimes in person I'd bring her um, and sometimes she'd be in the office, although I like tried to keep that separation. It was just when I came in the office, I was here for like like a quick like maybe hour and I had so many emails to respond to and I had so many quotes to write and I also had to review things. And so it just became a really sort of stressful situation in the last year um, for somebody who is going through maternity leave and postpartum depression. I had a lot of postpartum depression with both kids. And so managing like yourself and your business and your children. And so it was a lot for me to handle. And I, I, I can admit I made so many mistakes in the last year. I want to hear about those. But first, I want to say thank you for sharing that. I know that isn't easy. I know the, the pressure and the excitement of being a businesswoman and an entrepreneur and running a team and how exciting that is and also how challenging it is to say maternity leave in air quotes knowing that taking two weeks off after having a baby doesn't even give your body time to heal never mind to switch gears into something else so i just appreciate you sharing that yes i want to hear what you say are, are the mistakes or how you would do it differently. But I want to just thank you for exposing some of the structure that you tried to set up 
so that other people can learn from this. So when you say maternity leave in air quotes, what does that mean? Or what did you think it would mean? Well, what I thought it meant maternity leave uh, was I could, that I could just like spend like an hour a day sort of meeting with my team and then responding to emails. Um, and then I would like kind of assign a day to either meet with clients or, or write quotes. Um, what it ended up being was a daily, I was in, I was probably in the office maybe like two or three times a day between naps. And then I would be working um, in the evenings and weekends to just get quotes and proposals done. Um, and then, and like, yeah, I'd have to make time for client calls. And so I pretty much worked my whole maternity leave. Um, if you added up all the hours, I'm, I'm pretty sure I worked a full-time job. <laughs> I have a lot of compassion for the both of you. I know I'm not a parent and I know how difficult it can be to balance all of the things. So I can't imagine bringing in this additional element or these additional stressors to have to consider. So I just appreciate the the openness and the honesty from both of you because I think this is really helpful for people who are considering becoming parents or considering a life change in some way. It doesn't have to be parenthood. It could be something else. Or they're hit with a life transition that they weren't expecting, whether that's a sudden move, whether that's grief. It could be anything. Grief. Yeah. Leanne, I want I want to hear about what you call some of the mistakes, but I also want to acknowledge that I've used this language before when people talk about the the messy middle. And sometimes it's easy to write it off as just a mess, and other times it's when you reflect on it that you go, "Oh, that was actually where the magic happened." It was in that space that I was challenged to think about what I really wanted and what my life was actually going to look like and how I was going to move forward. I also, have, having a baby, experiencing postpartum anxiety, postpartum rage, I was pissed off at how resilient I had to be. And I was pissed off at all the hard things that I had to work through because I didn't always have the mental space to sit and consider it. I'm all for doing hard things. And yet doing something that's hard just because it's hard wasn't enough. Lead us into some of the things that were hard and that you consider mistakes or would do differently. I mean, I'm so quick to say that they were mistakes, but I think because I'm just so hard on myself and look back on it as being like, I could have just changed something or done it better. Um, some of the things like I mean like I had mentioned like my life was so busy and stressful and I was half-assing everything hope sorry if I'm allowed to say that um not because like I could like I had a choice really I was had my foot in with work like just like a a little bit of me in work a little bit of me in my family life a little bit of me as a parent um and I definitely think had I thought a little bit more realistic about the situation, maybe that um, things could have been different. I was really resentful sometimes of my partner um, that he could just go to work and not think about it and come back. It did end up 
causing sometimes like some like fights and it was just it was it was mainly because I was so overwhelmed and I was just trying to do everything and I mean like while he is like a very like we believe in like 50 50 like parental and like responsibilities and stuff it just I it wasn't enough because I was like I feel like I'm doing so much and you're doing nothing even though it wasn't true um there's that and then like I felt like I missed certain milestones sometimes or that bond with my daughter Ellie um, because I was way more stressed out than I was with my son like with Remy like sure I did work a little bit but I felt like I had more time with him and I was resentful of myself and just about the time that I had with her because I had a business but I was also like I have to prove people that I can do this I, I have to prove to people that I can like keep my business going and have a family and I was just at the end I was just like what did I do basically I sacrificed a lot of time with my daughter even though I had said like I really wanted to like take in all the time that I could get with her because I knew we weren't having any more kids and I really wanted to make sure that I cherished those moments. I really think I could have cherished them better um, and maybe put some of the work things aside. Um, and then like with work, I had just hired a brand new designer right before I, I went on maternity leave. Some things at work kind of just like they, I wasn't here. I wasn't treating her properly. For both of my designers, they were pretty much left to their own devices sometimes. Like they didn't really know what to do and I tried my best to, to manage from afar or manage when I could come in. But we weren't building that personal rapport because I wasn't here. And they both really didn't know what to do half the time. Like if, if they were waiting for me to review, there was backup projects, but it was also kind of like things were in limbo. and. Um, I do kind of feel a little bit of guilt there for not being there all the time and because like they're not like the same as like my children but they're like my work babies and I really just didn't like put that time and effort into it you know um, because I was so busy with everything else. When it comes to growing your team in preparation for a life transition some people might look at that and go, there are more people here, therefore the work can still get done. But that isn't always as cut and dry. When you hire people, of course you're looking for people with a specific skill set and you wanna make sure that they maintain the reputation of your brand. Could you give our listeners some advice as far as how to make sure that you're making the right decision and bringing on the right people in your team? Um, I think it just comes down to your culture, your company culture. Um, I knew that like I wanted, yeah, I want, of course I want my designers to like reflect Leanne Charlene Creative and like my style and everything that we do, our process and strategy and whatnot. But with such a small team, I really had to make sure that I could get along with that person and that my existing designer could get along with that person. Um, and so it does come down to personality and just making sure like we're compatible and when it comes to mentorship like the the people that i hire are almost always like new grads and so i know they're not going to stick with me forever i mean i'd hope that they would 
but I know that that's not necessarily the case. And so the goal essentially is to just like make sure that I'm mentoring them to be good designers and to really like help them foster their creativity so that they can be the best designers that they can be. And that means like letting them freelance on the side and letting them like, or giving professional development opportunities and just really helping them grow as a, as a designer. Um, and yeah, I just have to be open and receptive about it. I can't really think about the fact that they might leave me or that they might go to a competitor. Um, if I think about that, I think I would drive myself nuts. Um, I've definitely done it in the past and it can eat you up and make you act differently too when it comes to your employees. So I'm I'm curious, Leanne, when you're bringing in people onto your team who are usually new grads and they're these, these fresh, beautiful little babies entering the workspace, how does that revitalize your team? Does it breathe new life? How does it change your approach to work and how does it improve your company culture? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm not going to say I'm ancient, but I've, <laughs> I've definitely haven't, like, I'm not fresh out of grad school anymore. So the ideas and the technology that they learn in school is so different. Um, and so it is just, it's nice to have other people's uh, creativity and other people's ideas and fresh ideas come, especially, I feel like sometimes I can be a little bit old school in the way I do things. And so it's nice to have um new grads come in and like they're so ambitious and excited to be there that it just like the culture throughout the team then we it makes us all like want to be there and makes us all really want to work harder on a project i think the what you're outlining is so refreshing because we often hear the other side of it which is the fear Somebody's going to come in, they're going to steal my system, they're going to take everything I know, they're going to steal my client list, and they're going to run away with it. And I so appreciate, it's just very refreshing to be like, no, new grads have something to offer. My job is to give them an environment where they can thrive. And yet, as a business owner, you still have to be realistic that they might not stay with you for five or 10 years. And that's okay. I just feel my my shoulders relax when you say that. And I love to hear that you're looking for fit within your culture. I've said many times before, you can train for skills, but you can't teach give a shit. And having somebody that gives a shit seems to be really important to you because then you're able to really demonstrate your skill set to your clients. You've had to redefine having it all. And I want to come back to this thread. But first, I want to say that as someone who's also had to redefine having it all, changing that definition doesn't automatically mean that you're lowering expectations or that it's a downgrade or that you're giving up on something that you once said really mattered to you. You have grown your business, your studio, your family, and I don't get the impression that any of the changes you've made have been a downgrade. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Like, I I am proud of all the work that I put into it for sure and how I've grown the business and I am proud of where we are today. So it's definitely not a downgrade, but it definitely came with a few sacrifices (laughs) and at a little bit of a cost. But I think 
I just need to be a little bit more patient and easier on myself sometimes because I don't often look back at everything that I have accomplished accomplished already. And so even just you asking that question, I was like, oh, you're right. Like, it's not a downgrade. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's part of me that's like, am I just saying that so that I can sleep better at night? But really, a change isn't a downgrade. And there are costs to the sacrifices we make. Are you comfortable sharing with us some of the costs that you experience? I'm over here like, you know, the wallet folio of photos of your kids is like, Whoa! and all the things come out. I'm like, oh, here are all the costs. Let me get that folio of notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so some of the things I've sort of, I think I mentioned a little bit like, yeah, I sacrificed a bit of time with my kids. Um, I've had employees it and at first me being a little bit more like hurt about it but it is really just the reality of me not being always here and so that I could say that that is a little bit of a cost because if had I been here and maybe um, done things a bit better maybe they would still be here but you never know like things happen for a reason um, I think another cost is just in some of the clients, I've also had to kind of like let go. Um, I think before I had kids or, or before I kind of went into this transition phase, I was willing to take on like almost any client or almost any small business. Um, and because my time was so limited, granted I was stressed out half the time, but because my time was limited, I definitely had to stop and take a look and like what was I willing to do sometimes and what uh, how much of my time was I willing to sacrifice for a particular client um, and so it isn't necessarily like a cost in that like I it was a negative thing I think it just ended up being like what do I value where like how what part of my time do I value most and I had to just make some cuts sometimes when it came to clients or people that I work with so yeah right it really has the opportunity to give you some of that clarity my time is limited where do I want to make sure that I spend it and so from a business perspective how did the type of client that you wanted to work with change what was it before these transitions and where is it at now? Who are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the last few years, especially because of the pandemic, I really wanted to help small businesses and that was a big kind of focus and niche that we were trying to focus on. So I was taking in a lot of small businesses and startups who had smaller budgets. And while that is kind of like still a focus, like I still have that passion for it, I do feel like working with businesses who are small but still a little bit more established they tend to value designers and our work a little bit more um and just our expertise and even just like they respect our boundaries a little bit more too because they are also in the same position i value i want clients who value us and so sometimes that just happens with a little bit bigger more established small businesses and they are just they really see like our process and really see like the work that we put in and that everything is about strategy and then we're not being told exactly what to do and how to design and everything so um 
Yeah, I think that has definitely, I guess that's changed the type of clientele that we're hoping to work with um, because it does mean longer projects and projects that we're more invested in and that we can really be more passionate about and not just like the smaller one-off things. That makes a lot of sense. You want a client who's willing to match you in investment and you, you as a designer are also aren't looking to cut corners. And sometimes when somebody has a small budget, it does mean that there's cutting corners or it does mean that there can be some micromanaging. And so I think part of, I'm going to come back to this, having it all part of the work fulfillment, it's also making sure that you are able to truly live the values that matter to you. And that includes the people that you work with. It includes the people that you bring on the team. And it won't surprise you at all that I want to know about the branded good, because as somebody who wants to live their values and wants to prove it. We've talked a little bit about Leanne Charlene Creative, your design studio. Tell us a little bit more about the branded good. Yeah, so the branded good started uh, during the pandemic and I was just like, well, why would I stop designing? I, I first started off just like designing a couple pieces of apparel to raise money for COVID relief. Um, it ended up being a good big hit. So I thought, okay, I'll start this second sort of nonprofit initiative since I have the time. Um, and I started a campaign to support local businesses first. It was, we designed a series of shirts and then the money would go into buying gift cards for local small businesses that were nominated on social media. Um, and then we would give those gift cards away. Um, it was a really great starter campaign, but that it didn't necessarily sort of translate well when it came down to um, like bigger donations. It was just really hard because of course I'd love to help all the small businesses. It's like impossible to do it that way. So uh, the branded good then ended up being more of an initiative to help specific um, nonprofit organizations and charities. And so since then we've worked with the Bissell Center and Adaptabilities and the Alberta Cancer Foundation and just developed campaigns to raise um, profits will raise money um, for these organizations so 100% of net profits is then donated to the organizations um, at the end of the campaign so the branded good ended up being something that would I guess provide myself as a designer a little bit more um, I guess I, I feel like it gives me more value as a designer but also just makes me feel a little bit like I'm doing good with my work I'm doing something good um, and something that I'm proud of and that it's not restricted by certain like clients and brands uh, restrictions and so it just gives us a little bit more purpose um, for what we do at the studio and I think too for like my designers it's like a little bit of like it's a, a switch up in the day-to-day -day. so sometimes like we're doing design work for Leandro and Creative and then the, the next hour, we're just packaging up orders. And so it's kind of just like a nice refresher um, to kind of take your mind off of design work, work on orders, and then go back to work after. So I love hearing that you have your hands in so many different things. You're building and growing a family. You are building and growing a design studio and mentoring and hiring new grads. You're running Leanne Charlene Creative. And I think some people might look at this and go, well, if your life is really full, the branded good is the thing to let go of first because it's not generating revenue 
or it's the side project. And yet that's not the case. Tell me why you keep doing the branded good as a human and how it fulfills you. I feel like there's like no, like, I don't know if you've, you've heard that term, like there's no good deed that's like not selfish. Like it selfishly, yeah, it makes me feel like a better person, but it does make me feel like my craft and my, the work that we do has purpose and meaning. And sometimes with the work that we do, as much as I like, I love the work that we do. I love our clients and I love the branding work and packaging work, but sometimes it can be a lot and it can be you can get to a point where you're just like I just want to do something creative for fun and that doesn't have restrictions and the branded good is our outlet for that and I think it's really important to be able to have that like somebody with very limited time um, from like with my schedule and with my kids and stuff it's not like I have a lot of free time to just be creative outside of work hours and so it the branded good is a nice way to kind of just like work it into the business and still have a little bit of time we don't we don't put a lot of time into it like we only do like one or two campaigns a year which does end up being a lot of time like for the time that we're designing and launching it but it's not like it's taking over the business so um it is nice to just carve out a little bit of time to do that for sure at the beginning of the episode you said that having it all started as one thing and after two kids a pandemic growing a business and five years it now looks like finding that happiness and contentment can you elaborate on how success looks different now success is like for me it's just like what you make of it i do like success is just loving the work that we do and the clients that we have and not coming into work and being like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to like respond to this email again. Or, you know, and just being happy with the kind of work that we're doing. Um, it is still growing the business, but in a way that isn't sacrificing my well-being. So my definition of success is having a good work-life balance and being happy at work, but then also being happy at home. Realizing that the everybody's story or path is different and that we all have like our different accomplishments and so I can't really like compare or put like a benchmark of like what what is that this is success and that I have to reach this milestone or else I won't be happy and I think it's just just look reflecting on like what we have done already and just being happy. That reflective piece is huge. One of the things that I invite our listeners to do after tuning in for this episode, get a piece of paper or a note and put a date on it and write down what having it all looks like at this moment without the pressure of that having to stay the same for the next month, six months, six years, 20 years. But look at what it means now and have a look at your life and going, am I doing these things? Are these helping me feel content and empowered and excited about what I do. And if they're not, we have room to make changes. But I have learned that putting a date on something is such a great opportunity to reflect. Whether you're going through a, a massive life transition or something small, it's a really great space to play in. Now, Leanne, you are a longtime listener of the podcast. Again, we are so incredibly grateful for you being here. As always, we believe in don't ask, don't get. So I would like to give you the mic and again 
and see what asks you have for our audience for Leanne Charlene Creative, The Branded Good. What What's on your mind? What can we help you get? My first is to just ask for clients to, I just want our clients to value who we are, our work, the, the expertise that we can offer. Um, and that if you're looking to work on your branding or your packaging or anything to do with graphic design that you like respect our strategy and our process and everything. Um, the second part of that is just to like plan and prepare. So if you are looking to have design work done to plan your year, um, and, and reach out to us early on because then you can plan your time and your budget to be able to work with us because, um, yeah, we want clients who can value our work, but we also don't want to do it in like two weeks. Like we, in order to create something that is executed well and completed well, we need time. And so we would just want our clients or potential clients to budget their time, um, and money accordingly. Liz and I have the luxury of knowing a little bit about you and being able to see this beautiful display behind you. Can you tell us in a sentence or two? the category or favorite types of businesses that you like to work with or want to work with? Of course, yes. We like working with businesses on their branding, but I think we have a special soft spot for businesses, our food-based businesses. <laughs> so all the packaging behind me is like for chocolate um, and coffee and salted caramels or liquor. Um, we like also just working on packaging. So that's anything to do from like skincare or like food-based packaging or um so i think we just love the opportunity to work with anything in the food industry uh, i would love to actually work with like a restaurant on their branding that doesn't necessarily have to do with packaging but that would be a huge opportunity that we haven't had before i love that you put it out there any any restaurants any businesses looking for expertise in packaging in creating a beautiful brand that you get to share with the world. We can find you at leannecharlene.com. I have your website up in front of me. I'm looking at thebrandedgood.com. What is the next collection? I don't know. <laughs> so um, if you, if I guess that the listeners have any ideas of what type of collection they'd like to see, um, or if there's an organization um, that is supporting a worthy cause, definitely let me know, reach out. I'd be definitely interested in uh, collaborating with you um, for the next Branded Good Collection. Brilliant. This has been such an enlightening episode. I feel fired up and far less scared about the next life transition that is inevitably going to happen. Liz, where are you at? I've been seeing you nod your head along. Yeah, I felt very much like a like one of our listeners this episode, which was wonderful for me. That was so great for me. This was awesome. I appreciate the perspective with the personal responsibility, but also being really honest about how it takes leaning on others to get to where you need to be and to get whatever having it all looks like to you, whether that's hiring more designers, hiring an assistant, figuring out what that balance looks like. I really appreciate that perspective. And it was such a pleasure to have you on this episode, Leanne. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. We're just, I feel so lucky to be on this podcast. So I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. 
it was an absolute delight to have Leanne join us. Please find her online. You can find her websites at leannecharlene.com and thebrandedgood.com and follow along on Instagram for a beautiful visual look at what she specializes in at leannecharlene.creative and at The Branded Good. We will link to all of those in the show notes. Liz, I know neither of us questioned that it would be fascinating to talk to Leanne, but I am so glad we did, and I'm so glad we adjusted the topic. Yeah, that was so wonderful. And like I said, I really kind of felt like a listener for this episode, but that was so wonderful for me because... I just it was just so great to soak up what she has gone through and some of the advice that she has for others. I loved that. I would really I'm quite jealous. I want more of the listener experience, but I guess I just listen to the podcast when it comes out. But I definitely felt myself and I don't know if our listeners could tell this, but I felt a little bit clunky in asking some of my questions because I was just so engaged with what she had to say and think okay how would i have done that differently what does success mean what does this look like in my own life so i'm i'm leaving feeling energized and curious and just so excited i'm like okay what else can we do to help leanne get what she wants yeah exactly and i think that this is such wonderful advice to apply if you are growing your family but also if you are facing any other life transition i am not a parent so some of the specific examples in this episode didn't necessarily apply to me but the essence and the lessons in there definitely do changing a job a career transition Uh, grief and loss. If you lose somebody in your life, what does that do? Even simply moving homes, not even provinces or countries, but transitioning your space. All of these little milestones that we look at are opportunities to rethink what having it all means for that moment. And it takes away some of the pressure of having to maintain that definition for a really long time. Liz, I can tell you that I am loving having guests on the podcast. The next couple episodes, we have some fantastic guests lined up, and I can't wait to be back. And to our listeners, if part of having it all for you is moving closer to something that feels really ambitious, audacious, and that maybe scares the shit out of you, you are in good company. Follow along with me on Instagram at TheAmandaWagner and sign up for the newsletter at TheAmandaWagner.com where I offer an occasional behind the scenes look at what's happening over here and my thoughts on ambition and how it can help you move forward instead of feeling like pressure. And if you need someone on your team to help you with social media or other digital communication techniques so you can get closer to having it all, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or visit my website, LizPittman.com. This makes me want to go and take my own advice. I'm going to sit outside in the sun with a piece of paper, put the date on it, and I'm just going to do some exploring of what having it all means for me right now. I cannot wait to be back for another episode in two weeks' time. And until then, we will see you on the internet.
Sweet. Look at that. Another one in the books. 87. I asked Robin last night. I said, do you know how many podcast episodes I have? And he's like, 124. I was like, I appreciate that. And no, but thank you. 